0: you guys ever feel messed up? <laughs> <laughs> messed up. You, you, you know, and when I say that, I mean, I'm sure all of you, you probably got kind of some things in your mind that pop into your head and maybe even some personal thoughts that you're like, you know what, I'm so glad that you don't know that I think that. <laughs> <laughs> messed up. Being, being messed up and, and being in a place where we we feel messed up. I'm, <clears throat> I, I, I think about... I think about where I was, and you think about where you were when you first got saved. You think about your condition. You think about the sin condition. You think about the the moral condition, uh, the, your your perception of of Christianity and the way that you saw it, um, the way that you thought God applied to your life, and 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 what what he could do for you or or what you thought you could or could not do for the kingdom you had a lot of question marks and when when I found him he he didn't care about the condition that I came to him in he didn't care and I'll I'll never forget that because the older I get I get the more thankful I get for that because I didn't just need him in that moment I didn't realize it then, but I didn't need him in just that moment. I needed him every single day and for multiple times a day and multiple moments throughout the years that I've, I've committed my life to serving him that I've needed him and I've needed his forgiveness. I've needed it. I had to have it because I was a mess. And because of faith and because of putting our faith in Him, and I understand the things that come along with it, and we're going to talk about some of that tonight, and and what He did by justifying us and by cleaning us up and by putting us on a solid foundation and allowing us to be able to come to Him. I'll never be able to figure out fully, fully. I mean, we could say He did it because He loved us, but do we even understand what kind of love that is? I mean, I'm still working on obeying the command to... To, to love my brother and my sister as the way that he's loved me. And that still is blowing my mind. And then to try to, to try to bring it into understanding why he did what he did for me and why he did for you. I already have our time wrapping myself around it. I just know I was a mess. And even though I know him, and even though I've come a long way, since those days. I'm still a mess. Y'all still a mess? Amen. Still working on some stuff? Amen. Yeah, I'm a saved mess. That's right. That's it. I'm a saved mess. That's a good way of putting it. And so we're still we're still pushing forward, right? We're still we're still trying for more and looking for more and grabbing for more and reaching for more of God and 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 disconnecting from the things of the world. And and there could not be a better a better thing for us to be reminded of today is that there's very little to benefit from grasping for the world, very, very little, and much more than you can ever imagine by reaching forward into Christ and reaching Mm -hmm. more into Mm -hmm. this walk of God. Um, Before I get into the text, I do want to say this, and I may refer back to this here in a minute. Some have asked, where are the old works and where are the old ways and the old things of, of, of doing and seeing God do things and, and the great we would call some of the great things of God and, and I've heard a lot of different arguments over that I've heard a lot of people say a lot of different things and what really what it comes down to and I and I have I've <laughs> I've probably thought about it too much and pondered it too much but from what I can take from the experiences and looking back at the old revivals and looking as things have changed over the years, it all comes down to hunger and thirst. It's really what it comes down to. It comes down to hunger and thirst. I've, 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 uh, I've read about uh, not just good revivals break out in, in Pentecostal ranks. The Baptists have had good revivals. Did you know that? Some people will be like, "What? <laughs> no. They have revivals, authentic, good revivals. People getting saved." Yep. Which tells me that that it's not it's not so much about some of the details that we put so much emphasis on, but how much you really want to see God, Amen. how much more you want of Him. It has a lot to do with hunger and thirst. So we check our hungers and, and our thirst tonight and make sure that our hunger and thirst is in check and making sure that we're not quenching, or um, I should, maybe I'm not saying that correct. Yeah, maybe I am uh, quenching that hunger and that thirst by something that's false and something that doesn't actually yield anything at all. Um, on a physical level, if you've ever, when you're young, you can, you can drink pretty much anything and it won't have an effect on you. you can You can kill those Mountain Dews. And it just doesn't seem to have an effect. I remember being able to drink Mountain Dews before I went to bed at night. It never would do anything to me. You know, just young 20s, you know. You'd eat anything. And then something started to change. As I got older and began to consume this stuff, man, I'd wake up feeling awful. I was like, what is the deal? And then I found out as you get, you know, as you get older, you can't survive off that stuff. You gotta have some like real sustenance, like some nutrition, you know. Something that actually has some. You can't live off bag of chips and, and coke your whole life. And it's the same way it's the same way what we feed off of in the spirit. A lot of people feeding off a lot of counterfeit things today, but at the end of it, if you want to keep yourself spiritually alive, at some point you'll have to feed off the real thing. You have to. There's no other way that you can stay alive. That that hunger and that thirst has to be quenched by the right thing. And it's something that only God can do. This pastor was speaking this morning, you're speaking about religion speaking by you know being caught up in those things and those things that look godly but they're not really godly they don't have that they don't have that power and so we need to check ourselves we need to make sure we're in the right place with our hunger and our thirst and make sure we're not accepting a counterfeit right make sure we're not doing that all right so let's go to uh, the book of Galatians tonight we're looking at chapter three. Paul was speaking to the Galatians here, and I'm going to give you just a little bit of a back, bit of a backstory. Um, he was having some trouble, and he was trying to explain to them where they were going wrong. And what had happened is, and I'll just start it like this: the transition from the Old Testament into the New Testament was a struggle for some. It was a transition from the law and believing the things of the law and following a very, you know, a very tedious structure that was at one time a requirement. And then there was this transition. Christ came, and now there's grace. And it was hard for them to make that transition. It was hard to going from requirements and merit, or at least what they would look at is we have to do everything structured. It's got to be just like this. To all of a sudden, they're being told a different message. They're saying, now that's not required. And what I'll use as an example tonight was uh, circumcision. Circumcision at one time was mandatory, and then all of a sudden it wasn't mandatory anymore. But the problem was was there's these, these individuals who had come in, and they called them Judaizers. Anyone ever heard of the Judaizers? The Judaizers were coming in, and basically, what a Judaizer was was a Jew that had accepted and been converted over to Christianity, which we would call that at that time, it was modern. The new modern faith was Christianity. But what they kept telling everybody was is that in order for you to be saved, you got to be circumcised and you got to follow the old law. And that was causing confusion and problems amongst the people that Paul had already spoken to, straightened it out, the message of Christ had went forth, but there was this kind of hybrid mix of old and new. And when you study this, I see so many parallels to what we go through today. You think, man, you couldn't have been going through the same stuff, man. That was two thousand years ago. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. And so, what they struggled with, in, in, in a lot of different instances, not it was it was old. It was old from the, it was the Old Testament to the New Testament, and making that transition over to understanding the value and the power of grace. Mm-hmm understanding that that Christ had came for the forgiveness of sins and that they were forgiven. And all they had to do was ask. That didn't make a lot of sense to them because they had come out of it being mandatory to do certain things. And so they had taken a little bit of both, and that's what the Judaizers had done, and had meshed them together. And it would have looked really good on paper. You had the best of both worlds we got the modern Christianity, we got the new faith that Christ set up. They weren't, The Judaizers weren't shy about expressing that, but at the same time, we also have this, this um, the, the old law and the old law still in place, so we need to follow all of the jots and tittles and make sure that we do everything, because by doing that then you're officially saved. This was a problem. And it's still a problem today for us. Mixing, in our world, it's mixing culture with faith. Mm-hmm. It's mixing culture with faith. We are... I, I don't know what the data is on it, and I don't really don't... And I and I have studied some of it. But we're, we're probably at a pinnacle now, uh, in, in my just my viewpoint, a pinnacle of people merging faith and culture and trying to make it work. Never seen the likes of it before. There used to be a very distinct line between faith and culture, and you could you could see it when I come into my personal faith of Jesus Christ in the '90s. Even then, there was a, dis, a very distinct line of faith and culture. There were there were lines that were in the sand, and you didn't cross them. That was just the way that it was, and you could tell the difference between a follower of Christ and someone who had not quite fully grasp it and then come over to the other side you had some people dabble in it but they were either in or they were out one or the other but today we have a hybrid faith now we have hybrid religions we have people taking the name of jesus and grafting it into the world not being ashamed to use his name at all not being afraid to mention god and mention christ mention the holy ghost I've, sometimes I feel judgmental. And I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I don't know some people's lives. You're right. And you could probably say, tender, you're being a little judgmental. But when I see the fruits, and then you use my father's name, I want to say that's despicable. Yeah. You don't use his name. Don't you say his name like that. Don't you take his name and then you put it in that sentence with that garbage. Mm-hmm. You know what you're doing. You're mocking him. Amen. You're mocking my faith, and you're walk, you're mocking the very thing that I've worked so hard to stay engaged in, and then you're going to take it, and you're going to chop it up. Um, Spirit of Antichrist. Spirit of Antichrist in our world today. They had this, um, and I'm just going to briefly touch on this. They had this uh, a little test that they were doing in... Uh, had a, a individual posted on YouTube, and they had taken a uh, the some of the most advanced AI right now, uh, they, artificial intelligence. Everybody knows what AI is because it's a hot topic, and it's a seriously becoming a major issue in our society. Um, and they had taken this um, AI and asked it about faith in Jesus Christ. and I don't know if any of you seen this, and maybe you did, and maybe you didn't, and It actually took the cross of Jesus Christ and it cracked a joke. It made a a very loose joke, one that made me very uncomfortable. I thought, why in the world did it make that? Then it was asked to uh, crack a joke about Muhammad. And it said it cannot do that because it could offend another faith or religion. That's interesting. A spirit of Antichrist and an AI machine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that to drum up anything one way or the other. I'm simply telling you that this thing is escalating and people are taking the name of my Savior and they're they're blending it up and they're putting it into culture and they're profaning it. They're profaning him. They're profaning the Holy Spirit. And I'm saying that because... We have to make a proper stand and make a proper example and make sure that these things don't go unchecked. These things are happening right now. Mm -hmm. And there are people out there, some that are still undecided trying to figure out what direction they need to go. And when there's this mesh or this this hybrid faith come along people flock to it. Because the hybrid faith doesn't have all of the demands of the other one. Y'all were too rigid. Y'all were, too, y'all were too hard with y'all's faith. But this new one talks about Christ, talks about God's goodness, talks about uh, going to heaven. And I like all of those things, but never talks about that crazy sin stuff and never, never bashes anything or anybody. Now they, they say the pe- things that we say about sin is hate speech. Mm-hmm. That's the craziest thing I ever heard. Yeah. Actually, that's love speech. Yeah. It is. It is. It's love speech. won't keep you from going to hell, right? Mm-hmm. But it's hate speech now. It's funny how the, what the enemy does is he twists things, he turns them, and he makes them the opposite. Mm-hmm. And so what was meant as love, as, a, as an act of love, was now is now turned into uh, hate. And so there's this merger of faith, and so he was addressing this with them. And he's fixing to address it right here in verse 1. Is there was this kind of merger going on with the Judaizers and the things that they were telling him And so he says this in verse 1 he says oh foolish Galatians Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? I'm going to stop right there Who has bewitched you? The word bewitch uh, Having to do with hypnosis Witchcraft uh, uh, Sorcery Yeah a trance that was one of the one of the bywords uh, Hypnotic who who's done this to you? Is what he was saying. I've I've done told you what the truth was, and we had this thing straightened out, but now someone has come along and said something else to you that you found more appealing, yeah. and it's caused confusion in you. And now you don't know what's going on. And so he said, Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? And the always, always, always is the enemy's the enemy's tactic is to cause some sort of a, a compromise to get you to just give a little. Just a little bit. And if you'll give just a little compromise, just a little pull back just a little on one end, somewhere in there, then it's okay. It's okay. It's acceptable. It's all right to do that. But see, what you have to ask yourself is, is what is the end result? What is the ultimate, what is the ultimate motive of the enemy to get you to compromise? One simple thing. I, I cannot be the only person that hears that voice of compromise just a little. Please tell me I'm not the only one that's heard that. Well, I ask that question. So we call that, um, you know, the enemy throwing fiery darts at us, right? He's throwing a fiery dart. He's shooting something at you. He's trying to cause some sort of unbelief. He's trying to trying to get you to think in another direction. And so I started asking myself this question. I really tried to start analyzing this a little bit more logical. What does the enemy have in a vested interest in a small compromise? What's your vested interest? Why are you sending dispatching demons and nymphs into my house to try to get me to compromise over something so simple? It's because that's not the end result. And it's definitely not the, it's definitely not the ultimate plan. He wants to steal something from you mm-hmm. he's trying to take something from you and the only way in is compromise the only way in is just just a little bit it's kind of like um kind of like locking your doors at night right it won't hurt to keep the door unlocked just one night that's not that big of a deal you don't get robbed so it makes it easier not to lock it the next night and it's easier until somebody actually robs you and then you wonder, how did we get in the process of not locking that door? How did that happen? It's because of just a simple, small thing that got inserted. One time, and you got lazy, and you decided it wasn't that important anymore. Spiritual matters are much the same way. They're much the same way. In that we we begin down a path of blending culture and faith. We blend them together. Where it's not that big of a deal, and once we leave that door unlocked, and then an enemy comes in and they'll always come in shining like a light, never comes in ferociously, right? Never comes in uh, with, with claws and, and fangs. Always comes in, pats you on the back, says, thank you for letting me in. I'm sure we're going to get along great. See, that's, that, the whole thing is not just a moment. The plan is to ultimately lead to your demise. You ever, you ever, uh, you ever make a mistake in something? but not realize it until like maybe months later, months down the road. And you're like, man, man, I wasn't paying attention to that. How did that happen? It just takes a little bit of not paying attention. And then all of a sudden we start combining things and and acting out of character and acting out of truth. So he said, who's bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. And what he's saying here is in the, the actually the key word is in portrayed and it actually uh the word portrayed actually uh is referring to like putting up a um it's not a banner uh i can't think of the name of it uh but kind of like putting up a sign in town square for everybody to see that's the that's the reference of portrayed here he goes and, and let me read that again Y'all forgive me um whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. I have explained this to you. This is what he's saying. I've explained Christ to you in totality. I've made it plain and clear, and you agreed that that was the correct way to go. So how did you end up here? (laughs) How did you end up in this spot? It's been so plain and so clear to you, you already knew this. All right, so let's do this. you got to watch your faith. You really do. you got to watch it. Because it, it's something of protection. Yes. It's something of, of, that needs protecting. You guard it. You guard your heart. You guard it. Not in, the, not in the Fort Knox kind of keep everybody out kind of thing, which we already have a hard enough time with that, but guarding your heart from sin and guarding your heart from going down paths that it does not belong. Making sure that you're, you're not engaging in something that's going to take your heart. That's going to distract you and, and pull you away. Because when I first got saved, the, the knowledge and understanding of what that had just took place, it was very fresh on my heart and my mind. Can, can you all agree that when you got saved, it was much the same way? Very fresh, fresh experience. And you could say that the Lord was very vibrant. Well, I kept serving because that's what I wanted to do. Well, over the years, things happened. Right? right? Things happen. You get older. That's number one. Then you get hurt. Something happens. Uh, things don't go out the way you plan them to. Water starts going under the bridge, so to speak. You start having experiences. If you're not careful, if you're not careful, your heart will start to get hard. And your faith will become affected. It will become affected. It's why it's so important to to check up on that faith and to make sure that it's in good health. And and make sure that that things are uh, right between you and God. And make sure that your heart is soft. And make sure that you're in love with Him. Make sure that you're in love with the brothers and sisters in Christ. Life has a a funny way of of doing things. And and just like, Pastor, you mentioned earlier, we've been doing this life thing for, for quite some time. Life just goes on, doesn't it? You know, you, you're a kid, and then you're an adult, and you have kids, and those kids get older, and then those kids have kids, and you become a, become a grandparent, and, and then life keeps going. You see what I mean? And it's just cycles, and it just cycles. And things happen. And so we check ourselves, and we make sure that we're still properly in the faith, that we make sure that, the, that we have ex- still, are, are still accepting the same Christ that was crucified to us when we were young in the faith, Amen. that we still believe the same belief, and it's, that's still concrete within us, that we know that Christ died for our sins, that he's been <laughs> crucified for you and I, Amen. and that grace, that grace is still here, where would we be without grace? I don't. I, can't, I don't even know if I can put that into the right words. Where would I be without His grace? I mean, we. I've been bad. You've been bad. We've done things that we shouldn't have done. But because of God's grace, He forgive us. Mm-hmm. He give us another chance. This is why I talk so often about taking taking the opportunity, because you just never know how long you got left. You don't. You don't know. We don't, we don't know when life is going to end, when it's going to finish up, when it's going to wrap up. you got to make sure that your heart is right with him. So he said, uh, Christ was clearly portrayed among you as being crucified. It's clear. It's clear as day. I gave it to you. I, th- I always refer to being in church. I always think, man, I, I went to church. I've been to church three times a week for quite some time, and I'm not counting, but I'm thinking to myself, and all my resources, all the books that I have, study material, I ain't got no excuse. I got nothing. I cannot claim ignorance. <laughs> you can't. You can't. I told Misty about it before, though. I, sometimes I wish I could. I just wish I could say I didn't know. But here's the deal. I do know. And because because you do know, therefore you're accountable. So there's no backing out of that. And I think it's a grown-up move, if I can say it like that. It's a grown-up, mature move in the spirit to accept that. Say, so that's mine. i got to own that. i got to own it. I know better. And I know the difference between right, and I know the difference between wrong. And this is what he was saying when he said, haven't I portrayed Christ to you correctly? I did. I told you the truth. Didn't I? Leaves it with a question mark, I believe. This only I want to learn from you. Now, I want you to, I want you to pay attention to this. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? (laughs) What a question. What a question. This only I want to learn from you. He said, you tell me this then. Then you tell me this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? They were pretty familiar. They were familiar with the story uh, that had taken uh, place in Acts they understood and knew what had come for them. And so he presents a question that that begs a very stiff line. He said, then how was it then? How did it come to you? Did it come by the law or did it come by faith? Which one did it come by? Now that sets a line. As I said, that's a very distinct line. How did it happen for you? Well, and of course, you and me, we know how that is for us, right? That was by the Spirit. That was by work of faith. And no other thing. That had to have been. Well, that's... That's it every time, though. For those of you that have grown in your faith and that have come a long ways and you've experienced some things in God, hasn't it always been that way? Hasn't it always been by faith? So let me make a reference to works here. Sometimes... Uh, throughout the years, and, and maybe even spending time, you spend a lot of time in the church, and, and I've, I've learned that there's a distinct difference between wanting a move of the Spirit and hungering for a move of the Spirit. Those are two different things. We may have even talked about that before. Difference between wanting a move of the Spirit and hungering for a move of the Spirit. You cannot, within yourself, do anything to make God Move. Come on. Right here. Physical. I can't, I can't do anything to make him move. He doesn't work that way. Why? Because he works by faith and he works by the Spirit. And he works on a heart connection from my heart to him. Now, there are times that I feel in my spirit I want to raise my hands. We all raise our hands in here. we Pentecostal, Pentecostal. We believe in raising our hands. But it's, that's symbolic of our reverence and our surrendering to him. But the reverence and the surrendering already happened right here. See, it's always a heart in and in a, in a, in a connection between us and him. I was mentioning um, this morning we were talking about fasting. I'm going to go ahead and reference that. We were talking about fasting and how fasting doesn't move God and, and how and, and you can't fast and make God do anything that you want him to do. It's always by faith, and it's always going to be based on a a spiritual connection with him and how much you, and how, I should say it like this, how close you want to be to him. There's a lot of people that want a move of the Spirit. They don't hunger for a move of the Spirit. And let me tell you the difference. Pastor, you mentioned it this morning. I'm real careful how I say this, and I want you to take me the right way. When you want a move of the Spirit, it doesn't necessarily correlate with repentance of sin, but a hunger for God will lead to a repentance of sin. Does that make sense? Hunger will lead to repentance. Wanting will just be a bunch of people yelling, stomping, running, and it not actually being correlated to I'm sorry for what I have done. I'm a lowly creature, and without you, I'm nothing. And I'm trying to put this in the right context because the line seems so thin at times, it's almost like you can't tell the difference between the two, because they they're almost so close. But as I've I've have meditated on that and I've thought about that and I've seen that as a dividing line. That's a lot of people, uh, especially you know in 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 these areas around here, they said we want revival. We want revival. I'm not knocking anybody that's got revivals, okay? Let me just make that clear. Don't go tell anybody. Tanner said y'all don't even have no revivals. I'm not saying that. What I'm telling you is, is though, if you really start thinking about what a revival is, I mean, Pastor, you mentioned it the other day. It's like, man, if we all got to have revivals, then our spiritual condition is lousy. I mean, we're in a bad spiritual state if we just constantly have to have revivals all the time. To me, that's the difference between wanting a move and being hungry for a move. There's a difference. We just, We just want to get, when you want something, you just drum it up. It's like, let's get it going. That's drumming it up. But when you're hungry for God, have you ever noticed when you're hungry and you join with other people that are hungry, the Spirit moves so easily. It just moves. You don't have to make it do anything because that's not what it's based on. You can't make Him move. And and I'm talking about this on a very personal level for you as an individual too. You can't make Him do anything, but you can prepare yourself and invite Him in and live a life that's pleasing to Him, Amen. and He'll always be around you. Amen. Uh, and and if I, I'm not going to really get in deep into that, but for the record, it, it comes down to really just consistency in the spirit. You want to be close to Him? Keep showing up in prayer. Amen. Keep showing up in praise. Keep showing up in worship. Uh, some people have asked that question, like I I'm not I'm not like I used to be. I'm with you. I understand what you mean. Things just aren't the way they used to be. And I don't I think sometimes it's not as complicated as we think. You know, uh, I was talking this morning about um, being having hands laid on you, and that's great. That's We're, we're commanded to have hands laid on us and to you know, have prayer and things of that nature. There's nothing wrong with that. But something happened in the church a long time ago, and people started using that as the escape goat. You know, I want you to pray for me, and then it's all going to be better, and then and, and I could just go my way. People lost the hunger. No more hunger no more. No more authentic revivals anymore. They're, they're not really existent do we agree with that we're not really see those things anymore why what happened what changed something happened the hunger changed the hunger did and i don't really have time to talk on that but i I want i want you to consider that because we're talking about um we're talking about uh being in the faith being in the spirit and then so he says um When he asked that question, did you receive the Spirit by the work of the law or the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Question. Another question. You understand that these questions are structured in a very specific way. You notice this. Question mark, question mark, question mark. He's asking questions to derive a very particular answer. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? You know what he's referencing there? Circumcision. Meaning, he's saying, so you agreed that it was by faith but now you're trying to earn Christ by merit. You're trying to get it back on works again. This, I wanted, I don't know who this is for, I have no idea who this is for. That's what kept coming to me when I kept reading this and I said, man, it can't be that simple. And it just kept coming to me that this is what this message is about. I don't know who this is for, but it can't be done by works. You're not gonna move God by works you're not going to get his favor by works. It's nothing you're doing. And maybe you're trying to do good. You're like, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to do the right thing. It's not, it doesn't work that way. Because every one of us have failed in that. And that's the reason Christ came was because we weren't good enough in the first place. Amen. Amen. And so, I don't know who you are, but stop trying to use works as the way to get to God, it's not going to work. You've been fighting with it. It's, I mean, just trying and trying and trying and trying. And I'm trying to work my way up that ladder. And oh, I come down a couple steps. And I'm trying to work my way up that ladder. It's not a work thing. It's not. Now, we'll talk. We can talk about some would. Uh, some would say, well, Tanner, the Bible says faith without works is dead. That's talking about transformation. Talk about transforming the transforming power of God. It's one of the scriptures that Pastor actually laid out this morning. Denying the power thereof is denying the transforming power of God. People don't—that's what we're seeing today—is people that don't want to actually change. It's like we want Christ, but man, I don't want to have nothing to do with change. Don't change me—that's craziness. That's total crazy talk. If you're going to take Christ, then you have to change, and it actually it will yield fruit and it will yield change drastically that's 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 what it's going to yield and so um, i'm i'm hard on that because that's the way it is in my heart so i'm telling you if that's for you take that uh tonight um that we operate by the spirit and not the flesh okay um and then he said have you suffered so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain therefore he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. See, he made another quote. He asked another question here. He said, You've seen the miracles that's been going on. What do you think that's by? You think it was by the law that caused all those things to happen? Nope. Now, now I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to relate, I want to relate it to you this way. Think back on your history, your personal history with God. Hasn't God done some amazing works in your life? Amen. Now I'm going to ask you this. Did he do it because you were a good old boy or a good old girl? No. The one one. It's only good but one. It's only good one. No, he didn't. Because you weren't good. Right. You weren't. So I asked you in the beginning. Scott, you you've been a mess? Yeah. We're a mess. And we're not anything without him. And so you think about your history and you think about what he's done for you. Was it by faith or was it by works? It was by faith. By faith, man. So I call you back to that. I call you back to the very basic fundamental of just believing him to do it. That alone. I think sometimes we spend so much time in it and I think we want it so bad and there's nothing wrong with want. Look, look I'm I'm all for want. I get it. But we want it so bad, sometimes we'll even we'll even we'll bring in a little bit of works and say I'm going to try that much harder. And before too long, we've crossed over a very thin line. And it's become more about works than it is about faith. And we've started now to try to get God to move for us than to just believe him to do it. It's kind of like being, it's kind of like being here, like this. And I'll put it like this. It's, it's like, I don't know where your faith's at. I don't know. You don't know where my faith's at. I cannot impart my faith to you, and you can't impart your faith to me. I can't make you believe anything. Agreed? Amen. I can't make you do it. It's all up to you. It's all up to how you believe. It's one of the things about being in a group faith is that it's all kind of interdependent on what we believe. And when you come in with one accord and we all are believing and seeing things the same way, then we see things happen. Amen. Because of our faiths are in the same place. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have services where nothing happens. Pastor and I talked about this. It's not. It doesn't mean that we're going to have massive, huge, root and tootin' services every time you come in the door. It just means that we're on the same page when it comes to our faith. I cannot make you believe anything. Because it all has to do with your personal relationship with God. It's just you and Him. And sometimes I think we want to believe that it's more than that. Sometimes we want to believe that that loved one that's not safe. Sometimes we want to believe that we, that we can fast them into heaven. And that if we, if we push a little harder, scream a little louder, shout a little louder, um, dance a little longer, that somehow that's going to make all the difference. And it's not. It's not. It's not going to make the difference. The difference is going to be, where is your faith at? And are you growing in your faith? Growing in your faith. Come back to the very core fundamental Your faith in your faith alone. You've heard me say this before. Years, we've been saying it for years now. If the faith is in the right place, there will be byproducts. You'll get them. You'll get them. You'll have personal moves of the Spirit in your own home. Personal moves of the Spirit. I believe you need to be having personal moves in the Spirit before you ever expect it to come out of the church. To me, it doesn't even make sense if you're not having personal moves of the Spirit. It's like you. It's like that doesn't even make sense. Like. I don't invite God into my home, and we don't really do that kind of thing. We come to church, and let's have a jamboree. It doesn't even make sense. Yeah, it's like it's like you guys just feed me the good stuff, and then I will go home, and I'll just be tired old me again. You know, not not we don't we don't pray, we don't do those kind of things in the house. But when we come to church, then we want to move in the spirit. It does not make any sense. So I mean, if that's what you're looking for, it needs to start there. It needs to start on the home. I need to finish up. Okay. Um, okay, I already said that. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of the faith are the sons of Abraham. He's distinctly telling them. He was like, look, if you want to be a part of this lineage, if you want to understand it correctly, it's done by faith. That's the way you acquire righteousness, not by works. Amen. And the scripture foreseeing that God would just uh, justify the Gentiles by faith Preaching the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, "In you all the nations shall be blessed." So then, those who are of the faith are blessed with believing Abraham. All right, let me just—I'm gonna finish up right here. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, "Cursed is everyone who does not who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them." This is this is trying to do things by the numbers and expecting something good to come out of it. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for that the just for the just shall live by faith. Amen. Justification comes through faith. And I will I will end it like this. A move of the Spirit a a move of the Spirit uh, a reconciliation with God forgiveness um Getting, uh, getting close to God again. Maybe uh, restoration and restoring a lost relationship. Maybe you never actually fell away in your faith. Maybe it, didn't really, it wasn't that, but maybe you lost the fervor mm-hmm. Come on. and the zeal, and you've been trying to find a way to get that back. It's not done by works. I'm going to bring you back to the very thing that he gave me tonight. It will be done by faith and faith alone. Amen and you and i know that at times even within myself i'm like is it really that simple yes it is it's that you and i have to settle on that that it's by faith and faith alone because by doing that see when you settle on faith in christ in faith in him that he performs the work what that actually is is total dependency going to him it's total dependency on him it's like you're taking the dependency off of you and you're putting on him remember for some of us that would be a welcome thing because we've been putting too, way too much pressure on ourselves, Amen. expecting ourselves to perform something that cannot be done. Can't be done. It can only be done by God and faith in Him. And so, I don't know where you're at in your personal life. I don't, I don't know what you are dealing with on a personal level, and, and the struggles and the battles that you face. I, I can only imagine. In the day and time we're living in, I can only imagine. I, I'm sure. I'm not the only one that deals with struggles and deals with battles and deals with demonic entities and all of that stuff. I'm sure I'm not the only one that deals with that stuff. Any amens at all, please. Tell me I'm not the only one. I was like, I'm closing the Bible and I'm getting down. So, I'll leave you with that uh, tonight. That we come back to faith. Faith alone. hmm just your faith. And there's nothing special to do. Nothing nothing, nothing major. It's just that when you go to him in prayer, you come authentic. And you bring your heart. You bring your tears. You bring your life. And you come in and you put it before him and we say, here it is. This is everything i got. I don't have a lot. And I've been off track. I've been off course. Here's everything that I have that I've been trying to do myself. I'm not going to do it no more. I'm gonna put my faith in you. I'm gonna bring this battle to you, and I'm gonna bring all my doubts, I'm gonna bring all my fears, I'm gonna bring all the things I've been trying to do, and I'm gonna lay them at your feet, and I'm gonna tell you, I trust you. I trust you. That's simple. That's simple, but I think some of us need to come back to that. The simplicity of faith. Not not, not fighting the process. The process is simple. Maybe we spend so much time at the church, maybe we think we got it figured out. Maybe we think, I already know that. No, you don't. No, you don't. I don't. I still have to be reminded. I've done this lesson, and I was reminded. Faith is that strong, and it's that simple. Would you stand? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just a couple minutes tonight. Just a couple. Because I told you it's nothing fancy. It doesn't have to be fancy. I want you to spend some time in prayer tonight before we dismiss. Authentically. Just spend some time with the Lord. Spend some time in your faith. Spend some time with Him. And if there's some some kinks that need to be worked out, go ahead and work them out. Um, this, this is a, a house of prayer. It's a place to be, uh, be in prayer. In worship. In praise. In all of those things. Let's spend some time at the altar tonight, in your pew, wherever you want to pray. It's fine. It doesn't make any difference. All right? We're not following the law, okay? But get humble before God before we leave this place. And let's do that. God bless you guys.